You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Episode 129, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun and informative format through expert analysis. And today's expert is Dr. Jeremy Toffel. He has his own podcast called The Imperfect Dad, MD. And not surprisingly, he talks about what it's like being a dad and a doctor. So if you're a doc and a dad, what are the pitfalls you face? What are the things you need to figure out? How do you approach life and, and balance your relationship with your spouse, your kids, and your job? And that's what we're going to discuss today. It's a really great discussion. It's a little briefer than an usual episode, but I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And Dr. Toffel is really fantastic guy. He's a pediatrician in Omaha, Nebraska. And despite the fact that he lives in a place that's relatively flat, we're going to talk about the ups and downs of parenthood. But first, a word from our sponsor. Panacea Financial provides banking for doctors because it was founded by doctors. They have a nationwide loan, checking, and savings options designed specifically for doctors and doctors in training. Their specialized suite of financial products give medical students, residents, and practicing physicians greater freedom to forge their futures and at affordable rates. By reducing financial barriers and burdens, Panacea Financial ensures that all doctors have increased capacity to serve their patients and the population at large. Do you need a good home for your banking needs? Go to PanaceaFinancial.com. That's PanaceaFinancial.com to get started. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, member FDIC. As always, I'd like to encourage you to go to theparadox.com slash 189. There you can find the show notes for today's show. Please also go to your podcast player of preference and give us a five-star rating. If you've not yet subscribed, I encourage you to do so so you can get this for free every week in your inbox and your podcast player. I'd encourage you to take the five-show challenge and listen to five shows that have some topics that you think would be interesting to you and, and obviously share the show with your friends. And although we may think we're perfect, those around us will remind us continuously that we are very imperfect. So please enjoy my guest as we discuss how you can be a little less imperfect dad as a physician. Dr. Jeremy Toffel, pediatrician in Omaha, Nebraska, 
and host of the Imperfect Dad MD show. Enjoy. Well, hey, I'm here with my new friend, Dr. Jeremy Toffel. He's the host of the Imperfect Dad MD podcast, found at imperfectdadmd.com. And he is a pediatrician in private practice, I'm sorry, in healthcare, a healthcare system practice in Omaha, yep. Nebraska. Dr. Toffel, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Yeah, I shouldn't assume you're in private practice, right? I kind of, I most of the people I talk to in the podcast are, but I've you know, talked. I to know, them. right? Well, it's interesting because you know, I know, being in pediatrics, I know a lot of pediatricians, at least not in the Omaha area, that are private practice, and so I probably assumed I'd always be private practice, and then being here in Omaha with a children's hospital system, it was like, hey, come work in one of our clinics, and I was like, sure, why not? I'm at a residency; it's a job. That sounds great, and it's worked out so far. Well, you know, as long as you find a situation that works for you, whether, you know, it comes right. to pay and time and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it just it just really depends. There's not one solution that's best for anyone, I think. And Absolutely. So I think we oftentimes make the generalized statements like, oh, you got to do a pure private practice. You got to be an academic. You got to do what, you know what, just what works for you. And, and yeah, maybe it will definitely. stop working for you at some point and you try something yep. else, which is very frequent, right? I mean, it's pretty common. Yeah. And actually, if I can diverge just a little bit there, that's actually an interesting comment because- about so right before 2020 um we were kind of having a, one of those moments as a family trying to decide should i keep doing what i'm doing should i look at a private practice office and i actually was looking right before COVID struck um and um it was these because I, I my initial office that i worked at was about 35 minute or so drive from the house which doesn't sound like much if you live in atlanta obviously but here in omaha that's that's rush hour um but it meant i missed out on breakfast and missed out on getting home in time for things and so it was this decision like hey should we change things and so what ended up happening, it came down to, I could work for this private practice clinic, or I could work for another office within my children's system, like five minutes from my house. And ultimately it was like, I really don't want to have to like go through private practice and totally build a whole new panel. Like I can at least, because this office that I was, the other children's office had a physician who was just retiring. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Why not? We'll see what happens. And luckily I did that because if I had gone private practice, trying to start a new practice during the times of COVID, I don't know how people could have potentially done that. So I think it was a little blessing in the skies there. A little yeah. serendipity there. Sorry, sure. I diverged there from you. <laughs> no, that's, but I think it's a good point. So it's, you know, it's interesting. Well, we're talking about being a parent, being a dad yeah. and being I a doctor, say, yeah. right? And all these things sort of tie together. So Absolutely. why don't you talk to briefly about why you started the show and what it is about being a dad that you thought wasn't being put out there as a physician. I've got a bunch yeah. of people who are physicians who listen to the show, but I also have people who aren't. And I think a lot of things probably apply to them as just professionals. But why don't you go ahead and just give us a little bit of background and we'll talk, get into specifics about the parenting thing. No, definitely. Yeah. So as, as mentioned, I'm a general pediatrician and I work in the clinics for a children's hospital here in Omaha. And so I see a lot of families. I, I work with a lot of kids and a lot of parents and, and kind of their struggles at home and how they're handling situations with their kids, even just the basic things versus the, the more complex things like their kids' anxiety and depression and, and that kind of topic. And, um, you know, for me as a physician and as a dad, I assumed I was doing this really great job because I'm, I'm a pediatrician. I should know everything, right? Of course, that's what all my wife's friends thought when we first met them was, oh, you're lucky you got a pediatrician, you'll be fine. Um, but of course, they don't actually teach you how to be a parent in pediatric residency. So, um, so, you know, for me, I assumed things were going great. And then as mentioned, COVID struck, I was in a new office. So my patient panel was definitely not as big as it was in my previous office. And I've had a lot of time on my hands because, you know, when COVID strikes, you're either on two sides of the aisle, you're either working, say, like in one of the cities that were hit early. And so you're working a whole bunch or you're in a clinic where you're trying to keep everybody out so nobody gets sick and you weren't really working at all. Um, and I was on the latter part of that, really not working at all. So I was home more often. You know, I'd show up at the office. I'd only have a few patients in the morning and I'd go home at lunch. And that was great. Um, 
but I quickly realized as a parent, um, you know, I tried really hard. I, the first week or two that I was there, I was like, I'm going to make this awesome. And I'm going to do all these special days. So like we had a pirate day and we did a pirate hunt and then we did this and we did that. And it was great for like a week. And then I was just like totally exhausted because I was staying up so late planning all these things. And I was like done. And like the next morning, my kids would come like, yeah, what are we doing today? And I'm like, nothing. And they were very upset with me. And so, um, but I realized there was a, there was a lot more to, um, my parenting that I was not doing a good job with. And, um, it, you know, that was kind of a struggle because, you know, I think as physicians, we all expect to do the best, you know, we're all that we're kind of trained that way from early on with school and everything. You gotta, you gotta succeed. You gotta succeed. You gotta succeed. And if you fail at anything, well, sorry, you're not going to be a doctor. You can't be that kind of doctor. You can't do that residency. And so I, I think I beat myself up pretty quickly and easily during that time. Um, thinking that I was not doing a good job as a dad. And so, but, I, I kind of it took a couple months of self-loathing and then I was like, you know, I, this is ridiculous. I got to figure this out. And I just kind of realized like I need to stop looking at those imperfections as a bad thing and looking at failure as a good thing. Cause obviously our kids fail all the time and that's how they learn. That's how they grow. So me as a dad, Hey, embrace those imperfections, embrace those failures and learn to grow from them. And so from that, I started blogging um, about that topic but of course for me, I can't stay on one topic. So then I started blogging about woodworking because I like to do woodworking and I started blogging about COVID because everybody's talking about COVID. Um, and that was, I mean, it was good. It was a good outlet, but I didn't feel like I was just really getting my message out there. So near the end of 2020, somebody said like, hey, you're going to do a podcast. And I was just like, why would I do a podcast? And finally, I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to do this. And so like it, literally within a month, I had figured out what I was doing for a podcast and had like five shows recorded uh, and ready to go starting in January. And so, um, you know, I started and it was really just, really focusing on those things within parenthood, especially as a dad, um, where we struggle with and trying to embrace those thoughts and those ideas and, and find where we feel like we're having a hard time with and then trying to grow from them and, and kind of become this dad that we were meant to be, you know, because I think sometimes we think we're doing a good job until we start to think about it. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I need to work on that. I need to work on this. I'm not saying that like we have to be perfect because obviously no one's perfect, but um, you know, there's always growth that can happen. You know, we see our kids growing all the time and with development, especially when they're little. And, you know, as parents, sometimes we think all that growth is done. And, we, you know, as adults and we're in our jobs and we're doing the same thing every day, it sometimes feels like there's no growth left to happen. But really, there is when it comes to that parenting side. And so um, so that's really where the podcast started at. And, you know, after the first few months of doing that, I really wanted to gear that message towards the physician dad. Because for me, I'm, I'm a very empathetic type of person. I have to really, truly try to understand a person's background um, to talk to them and feel like I'm helping them. And not to say that I, I can, can't help other just, you know, dads that aren't physicians or not. And, and I still talk to a lot of dads that aren't physicians that listen to, the sh to my podcast. But, you know, for me, I really understand what it took to become a physician from physician dads and the stress with it. And, you know, what's what are the common things that are going on when you talk about, you know, people complaining about administration and like we talked about private practice versus working for a hospital system and all those things. So there's, there's those stresses in physicians and being a physician dad that don't really correlate to other jobs sometimes. And so for me, I really wanted to talk to those physician dads because I grew up with a dad who was a physician. I'm a physician dad and that's just really that that population i wanted to to really target so really over these last this last month or so it's really started to gear towards that um not saying that the show's not again for only physician dads it can be for other dads even for moms i have moms that listen to um but um, that's really kind of where that message is going yeah that's interesting and you you're talking about the failure and with our kids i think you know the one thing we we find as we're parents is that you know it's a totally different experience 
And human interactions are really messy, especially when you're dealing with people who aren't intellectually on the same level as you and to try and to relate with them. I mean, as a pediatrician, you have probably more experience and understanding of like where kids are and what they understand. But still, once you're the day-to-day operations of parenthood and and expectations and the different personalities and all those things to sort of juggle together and the stresses that are outside of that that affect, you know, what's going on with you, it, it makes you, you are a failure all the time. And I think... And I think that's the thing that we, certainly when we're kids, we assume that, oh, well, once I'm an adult, I'll have it all figured out, right? And it, it's not until you reach adulthood, you're like, <laughs> wow, I really don't know anything. I bet when I'm 30, I'll know more. And I think you you meet people at, at every age and they find the same thing because you're also going through an experience for the first time, your first time with a 16-year-old, the first time with a toddler or whatever, first time with twins. And so you have to sort of navigate those things for the first time and fail and hopefully figure out a way to, to grow as a person and then to your relationships, right? Yep. No, definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you talk about, and I know others will talk about the arrival fallacy um, when it comes to things like medicine and jobs and things, but it's absolutely there in parenting too. It's like, oh, it'll be better when they hit, they get out of the threes and they're five and going to kindergarten or, okay, it's going to be better once they can, you know, have a better discussion with me or play better board games with me, or I can interact with them more and they can, we can watch the same. Sh- it's, it's never better. It's just, there's always, I tell every parent, like, especially new parents, I'm like, every age is going to have a really great, like, blessing. And it's going to be this really cool thing. And at the same time, there's going to be something really frustrating with that age. And you're just going to have to deal with it. And it's like every age, like I always tell parents four months, four month olds are my favorite because they smile, they interact with you and they still can't yell at you. So it's great. Four months. If my kids could say four months old, probably I'd be really happy, but that's not true. Cause I, I, our kids were not good sleepers. So maybe that's, they don't move. The that's like one of the they best don't. parts. Yeah. Well, like they start said, to roll a little bit at four months. So, you know, yeah. Well, okay. So three, <laughs> I mean, there's that point where you set them down and you go back and they're still in the same place. And it's like, oh, that's this true. Is great. Yep. And then it doesn't. And then you, whoa, you start panicking, right? This, uh, oh gosh. This, yeah. Everything falls apart. Yeah. There's always, it, you're totally right though. There's a certain stage where you're like, oh, if only they could do X, Y, or Z. So like, mm-hmm. you know, could for once you go get and go to the refrigerator and get yourself something to drink. Do I have to get you everything? And then it's like, oh, they can do that. It's great. And now, oh, they can do it. They can that's they can take anything out of the refrigerator. Right? It's not just yep. what I want them to take. Or out what? Of. You just spilled all that milk. Yeah, what are you yeah. doing? It's like, no, no, no. I gotta let them do it. Gotta let them fail. But it's okay. So you've yep. you've been embarking recently on your show on descri- describing the six B's of mm-hmm. of parenthood or being a dad. Yeah. Can you describe briefly what those are, and then sort of, I guess, give a little synopsis? We'll kind of go into it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I call it the six B's and, you know, within medicine, we all have to use mnemonics and to remember everything from Krebs cycles, to everything like that. So I had, I had to say six B's just so I could remember this, but you know, I think when you look at parenting, it's, there's so many parenting books out there and they tell you how to handle certain situations. Like, Hey, here's how you potty train your kid, or Hey, here's how you do baby little weaning, or Hey, here's how you, you know, maybe deal with your kid who's being defined at home. You know, they have topics, but a lot of those topics are very superficial. They talk, you know, you could be awesome at potty training your kids and have all your kids potty trained by 18 months old. And hey, yay, great for you. But you don't know how to deal with your toddler who's throwing a tantrum, you know, in the store or how to deal with your teenager when they're talking back to you. And so, you know, there's these books out there that help with certain situations, but they never really get to the depth of um, your mindset and how your mindset affects being a parent and how you handle certain situations. And so when I was looking at, okay, what are really these key areas of controlling who we are as parents, I kind of was making lists and I, I came up with these six B's. And so they, um, the, the B stand for your brain, your body, your beliefs, better half, um, business and bucks. Cause of course I had to throw money in there and bucks was the best one for B. Um, and so, um, 
but each of those I, I feel like really plays a key role in how we parent and you know one of the things if you notice when i talk about the six b's none of those have to say parenting in them none of them says better dad or better parent or anything and that's really because our parenting is really a reflection of who we are you know we handle situations a certain way which then makes our kids handle those situations in a similar way and or however their brain kind of recognizes us and however they mirror our behaviors and our actions and things and so when I talk about parenting, it's it's really, you can't be a better parent until you improve yourself first, which I think is hard because I, I it's not uncommon, obviously being in pediatrics, you get kids coming in and just they're having such bad behavior problems at home or at school. And you will, uh, you know, I've had parents, uh, I'll send them psychology to talk to behavioral health or I'll talk with them. And you can tell and that there's such, there's so much stress at home that you wonder how well the relationships are and how much of that is negatively affecting the kid. And, and sadly, a lot of times in those situations, it really is a reflection of what's going on at home. And, and parents don't like to hear that. And that's hard because as a dad, when I see my kids misbehaving a certain way, I have to sit there and say, uh, first I say, oh, geez, why is my kid acting this way? But then I go further and say, oh, geez, what did I do to make them act this way, which is not easy. You know, I always say ignorance is bliss. And once you start thinking about these things, you start to beat yourself up a little bit more. Um, but but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the six B's in a nutshell is, is really just trying to improve yourself um, within your different aspects of life so that then you can reflect that to your children so then they can can learn from you and mimic those behaviors. I find that's a lot easier to tell people how to be better than to actually change myself and make myself better, yeah. <laughs> especially my kids. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I was listening to one of your shows where you're talking about beliefs and I think that was a really good, good, I think it's a good example of sort of this process, right? Like there's, I think you were saying that you have uh, beliefs that are implicit or uh, what's it, what's the term I think you use, but they're ones that they see and they're ones that you tell them like, you like know, the direct and the indirect, direct and direct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and so kind of go into that and with the beliefs and how that works with kids, because I think that's a real important thing that we, we often discount, we, everyone knows that kids are always listening. You know, mm -hmm. you're talking about 20 things that are boring and then you mentioned ice cream and they suddenly, like, what, where are we going ice cream? Yeah, right. I mean, that's the one word. And you're like, wait, <laughs> that really wasn't the only word you're listening to. You just learned how to filter everything else out because you thought it wasn't pertinent to you. Yep. Yeah. Or it's definitely getting filed away somewhere for later, but right. they're just not, yes. it doesn't seem like they're paying attention, but yeah. So like the direct and the indirect learning, you know, direct is really that, what are you purposely trying to teach your kid? So in that moment, maybe you're playing a board game like Monopoly and you're trying to teach your kids you know, how to handle money or do math or those kind of things um, or strategy if they're a little older or, hey, what's it like to win or lose? It's okay that you didn't win, those kind of things. So you're, you're doing direct learning there, which is great because that's that's a direct way. I mean, you look at schools, that's what schools do. It's direct learning. Everything you're doing in school is, is really a direct learning purpose. Um, but we, a lot of times, forget about the indirect side. And so the indirect is when you're not purposely trying to teach them something, but Lord knows the kids are watching and they're going to mimic everything you say and do. And, you know, the example I tend to use with that is, is I driving on the highway. We were talking off air on this about, I live in Nebraska. It's very flat. Everything is straight and people like to drive fast on highways. Now, not as bad as Montana and Wyoming and those places, but <laughs> Nebraska is still people do it. And so we'll be driving. And obviously I got my kids in the car. I'm not going to be speeding along. So I don't drive slow. I'm not the slow guy in the right lane, but I, I follow the speed limit because I'm trying to show my kids, Hey, I need to follow this. And plus my eight-year-old has learned how to read the speedometer now, and he will call me out if oh, I start yeah. speeding. Yeah. And so I'm just very mindful of that. But, you know, a car might drive by, and I'll be like, geez, that guy's going fast. He's going to get a ticket. Or, like, he's not being very safe because it's rush hour or something like that. 
and I just say it, you know, you just, you think the thoughts and sometimes it just comes out and you don't really think about it. And then the next car goes by flying by. And before I can say anything, my kids are in the back like, geez, that guy's going too fast. He's not safe. He needs a ticket or something <laughs> like that. And you're just like, Oh crap. I, I taught them without meaning to teach them. And so then it's like, okay, how do I go back and, and work on this with them? And so, you know, we do that a lot in life, how we react to situations on TV, the news, um, how we, we talk about our jobs, how we talk about money, how we talk about our spouse, or maybe for divorce, how you talk about that ex around your kids um, without even really thinking about it. And all of that's indirect, right? All of that is your kids are seeing how you interpret the world around you. And that directly influences how they interpret the world around themselves. Uh, bucks and business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, you yeah. know, in some ways they're kind of related, but I suppose they're not, right? Is Is this more a reflection of how we are with money and what we get impression we get for our kids or like the stress that comes from those sorts of things. What exactly do you mean with those? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at the business side of it, obviously, um, you know, I, I was talking about how I switched offices and, and the real purpose for that was to make more time with my family. Right. And a lot of times I think, especially as physicians, we don't always have a lot of great control over our time and how we um, use our time at work and then how we use the time at home. And even if we try to be purposeful and getting done with our work at work, it's very easy to bring work home with you, right? And you keep thinking about all the things that happened during the day or all the things you got to do and you totally miss out on those moments at home even though you're at home. And so when you talk about the business side, it's it's how do you bring do you bring work home with you? And if you do, how do you portray that to your family or how do you let it affect how your parenting and those kind of things too? Because it might be, well, I have like 20 charts I got to finish tonight. So I got to get everybody to bed, get to bed. I got to do this. And so yeah, now it's not really helping you there. Um, you know, if you're stressed, if you're having burnout or, or you know, whatever terminology you want to use there, I know not everybody likes the word burnout, but um, that's going to affect how you parent at home. And so I, I think that's a big part of it is that, you know, time management and how you talk about it and even how you talk about work at home. Because if you're constantly talking down about your job or talking down about the people around work, your kids are going to be like, wow, I don't want to work. This looks terrible. I want to stay home and play video games all day. And so it's like, you know, your kids don't get that positive message about, Hey, being in a job is great. Or, you know, it's, it'd be great to work or, or, you know, do you want to talk about work? And I think it's, I think that can definitely influence it too. And then when you get to the buck side, yeah, definitely work and work equals money. So we need money to survive in this world. Um, but how you handle money is important. So um, how you talk about it, I think, with your kids is important. You don't have to tell them your salary and how much you paid in taxes and things like that, unless you want to. I've, I've tried to talk about taxes with my eight-year-old. It's still He's still trying to figure it out, but I don't tell him exactly what I make, but we kind of <laughs> chat about it a little bit. Um, but I think teaching your kids how to handle money and the importance of um, – the value of it, not so much like, hey, um, we're going to save every nickel and dime and, and never spend on anything. But at the same time, it's, hey, we're not going to buy every toy that you're asking for because it's not, it doesn't make sense or you need to save money for these reasons. Or, hey, did you know that the water that's in your bathtub, I have to pay for that? You know, th- th- things like that. Um, I think it's important just those little messages to your kids. And as they get older, sh- talking about the importance of money, um, but also just the concept of, taking care of your money so that your family is taken care of. So things like, do you have a disability insurance? Do you have, you know, the right life insurance? Do you, are you taking care of your retirement accounts? Are you um, doing specific, those specific steps in life to make sure not only you're protected, but your family's protected. Cause really, you know, as a parent, that's one of your jobs is protect your family from a financial perspective and make sure that they, if something were God forbid to happen to you, that they're not going to go you know, needing extra things you want, you know, that's really part of it too. So two, two points with what you just brought up there. One is, uh, I found that the don't waste resources discussion and the direct learning 
just doesn't work. Like, no. you can tell the kids to turn off the lights as much as you want. It wasn't until, it's funny because it wasn't until my daughter moved out and now she's, you know, living for college that now she's really irritated by dishes in the sink. Like, finally, it happens, right? But it's like, those mm-hmm. are the ones you just have to learn on your own. And the other thing, if you ever want to teach your kid about taxes, I highly recommend that Halloween is a great opportunity because there is the dad candy tax. Mm-hmm. And if you take 30% of their candy, they will immediately know and also wonder why they don't have any Snickers. But yeah. Uh, yep. So obviously your show talks about the fact that we're not perfect, right? I mean, and that we're trying to learn and juggle these things. And so what's what's your lesson to people when you have parents who realize they screwed up or they've done something wrong or, you know, that it's just not going well? What's like the bit of advice you give to these parents? Because I'm sure you have that consultation, you know, in the in the exam room many times with parents, right, who just, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, just something's just not working out right with their kid. Yeah, you know, it'll definitely be obviously situational in terms of what's the situation and what's going on. Um, you know, I, I, I really try to empathize with the parents first and, and show them like, hey, number one, I'm not trying to talk down to you because I'm a dad. I struggle with things all the time too. And this isn't just you guys that are struggling with it. Because I think sometimes as parents, we think that we're the only ones struggling. And it's really easy to look at our friends on, you know, social media and see these beautiful, wonderful family pictures that, you know, probably took about 50 of them to get that one. Um, because everybody's pulling each other's hair and screaming and yelling and crying. And finally you get a smiling one. And so, um, but it's easy. It's easy to compare and, and think that we're the only ones messing up. And so I, I think first, I, I always try to empathize and, and make sure that you understand like, hey, you're not in this alone. Um, but then it's really trying to, and sometimes it takes time, but it's really trying to see where everybody's really mindset about the situation is. You know, what what is it for you as a parent? What are you stressing out about this? Why is it frustrating you? What's happening at home? How are you handling it? Um, and then I try to relate that to how the kid's acting or how they're handling situations. And I don't say it's all your fault or anything like that, but I might say something along the lines of, well, when you get stressed with them, what, what happens, you know, and oh, we, we yell at him and send him in his room. And I was like, okay, so you're yelling at him, send him in his room. So when he gets frustrated and he yells at you guys, he's, he's learning or she, I'm just saying he, because I have boys and sadly it's a <laughs> totally common thing, but you know, um, but you know, when he gets frustrated, now he's yelling, he's raising voice and that's what's frustrating you. So in turn, you're now yelling at him and telling him to go to his room. And so your child's learned that frustration equals yelling. And so, you know, I don't say it exactly that way, but I try to, you know, piece together, okay, what is the concern and and where are we going from here? So I'll try to do that a little bit with them. Um, but really just try to make sure parents know like, hey, you're not in this alone. Um, and even though you feel like you're not doing a good job now, I guarantee you're doing a good job overall. And just because you feel like this isn't going well doesn't mean like we can't fix it. We can't turn it around and we, we can't make things better on a day-by-day basis. Now, it may not feel better right away. It's going to take time. Um, but you can definitely do it. You just have to be willing to put the work in and be willing to, to make those changes at home. I'm married to a pediatrician, and so the two things that surprised me the most is when she, well, three things. So the three things that surprised me most with her when she talks about her practice and what she talks about is, one, she really talks about poop a lot. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact- I love to talk about poop. I, oh, man, I do what, it every time. <laughs> what's also great is I listen to their um, the uh, some of these Audio Digest CME courses when we're dra- traveling somewhere, and she's listening to it, and the pediatrician who's giving the lecture- says poop like four times like oh yeah this can't be a medical lecture right no one uses the word poop <laughs> oh we i mean i find myself there talking about okay so how often are they using the potty you know i yeah, use right. those words and i don't even recognize it because i'm doing it at home too and i've actually found myself when i do my podcast i pluralize so many words because my four-year-old does it and it's the most adorable thing still and so i'll be talking and i'll just like add an s to random words and then i'll go back and listen actually i think the introduction on my podcast one of the words is pluralized so if you haven't <laughs> listened go check it out because and I, you know i was like forget it I'm 
I'm not going to go back and re-record it. I'm just not going to do it. You're imperfect. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, no, we like poop. We love poop. It works. And uh, she <laughs> spends a lot of time on on talking about sleep hygiene, which I didn't even know that was actually a word, which means, you know, mm-hmm. how you sleep. And then third, a, lot, a behavioral thing is a, is a huge part of, she says, a, a big part of her practice, at least certainly with well checks and stuff, where they talk about yeah. these behavioral issues and whether it's a, you know, ADHD sort of thing or if whether it's a parenting thing. Do you, is it pretty much you say, well, look, I, I screw up all the time and I just have to recognize, I have to reflect and sort of think about it. How do you get parents to sort of buy into the fact that they might be, you know, partially responsible? I mean, empathy yeah. is certainly one of them, but I mean, do you find yourself successful in getting in changing behaviors with, cause you've got it, what, 15 minutes and they don't see the kid for the like year, yeah. right? I mean, right. Yeah. That's the hardest part. You know, you get these kids coming in for what's supposed to be just their general sports physical, right? Their, their annual exam, they haven't been in all year. So if everything should be fine, but they love to save everything for that one time of year. Um, and then, so what we do in our office is we do a PHQ nine and a GAD seven now, um, for these teenage patients, at least definitely. Um, so PHQ nine is a depression screening questionnaire. GAD seven is an anxiety depression questionnaire. And even our 14 year olds and up, we do an adolescent questionnaire, which talks about sex, drugs, rock and roll, all the fun topics. And so we, we have all these questions asked before we even get in the room. So it's, it's super fun when you have 20 minutes, you're already like 10 minutes behind. I'm very punctual. I'm anally punctual. You ask my wife, she drives her crazy that I have to be on time and early for everything. So when I'm running behind in the office, I'm so frustrated. Um, so I, I never have anybody waiting an hour because it stresses the heck out of me. Um, which is a good thing, but at the same time I get stressed about it, which I need to work on. But when I, you know, pull out my chart and I'm getting ready to go into what's supposed to be a basic 15 year old sports physical. And I'm looking at the PHQ nine and it's, you know, a 13 or 14 and the get sevens a 12 and it's high. I'm like, okay, here we go. And so it's tough because you get into that room and now you're supposed to take this, what's supposed to be, well, they're 20 minute visits, but after the nurse is done doing their part, you maybe have 10. And so now I have to do the normal exam and then I'm supposed to get into all of this and it's not easy, but I, I usually don't rush those ones. Um, I do a lot, you know, we talked about direct and indirect teaching. I directly teach the kid, but then I also make sure I'm indirectly teaching the parent. So I, I will go over concepts and I will talk directly to the kid, but make sure the parent's paying attention. And sure. I'll, and I'll look to the parent every now and then be like, does that make sense to you? Like, does that sound appropriate or, or whatever? And I'll try to include them in it. It's so that maybe they reflect on it. Um, I will talk about, you know, the whole, if you talk to, if you go down the the coaching route and, and those types of topics, so talking about how our circumstances just get you know control our thoughts and feelings and all right, how are you going to control this? How are we going to work on it? Hey, let's talk about that. Um, and I work that, and I say, you know, it's, it's, I'll look at the parents and be like, hey, you guys can do that too. You know, when you're parenting and you're talking about these topics, look at how you're thinking about these topics and how you're feeling, and you can work and change on those. So, you know, I'll do those kind of things too with them. So I do a lot of that direct and indirect teaching. So, you just parent the parents. That's great. I, I do, yeah. but try not to let them know I'm parenting the parents. <laughs> well, what would you say uh, you see the show going the next year? I mean, what sort of topics are you looking to address? And um, I guess what would you offer dads who are docs? Yeah, you know, I think for me, I really think the show, uh, it's going to be a mix. I still like to do a lot of the solo shows and, and talk about topics that I'm interested in and what I've learned about. Um but I'd really love to bring on, I, I actually really love bringing on other dads that are physicians and just get to know their history, um, what they've been through, what they thought of what a dad was before they were a dad and what they think now and how did it affect them. Because I think, you know, as parents, sometimes, um, number one, again, as a physician, dad, sometimes we feel like we're in it alone. 
because let's face it as dads we don't talk about our feelings very much i mean when you get a bunch of dads together it's you know sports and stock market and all that kind of stuff you just don't really talk you don't tend to get the hey how's your how's how's parenting going um (laughs) you know hopefully we can change that but um so I like, I like to open that dialogue more and talk, just make it normal for dads to talk about being a dad and how they feel like it's going and where do they feel like they're failing and where do they feel like they're doing well at. Um, but I want to bring dads on too from different situations, you know, in terms of life and, and how their life situations could maybe help somebody else out there. Um, but then I also hope to bring other experts on that know a lot more about these things than I do. So talking about your body and being healthy and the healthy foods you eat and the exercise and cause Lord knows I could do better at that. Um, you know, bringing people on that know a lot more about money than I do to talk about things like managing your retirement and, and that kind of stuff, or be bringing people on who know more about working in the business side of, of the market. Because again, I work for Children's Hospital. I don't really do a lot of the business side. And so bringing people who know more about that on the show to talk about it. So that's the hope too, is to bring those people on and really just help guide those physician dads that are looking to get better and to improve. Now again, not perfect because we're not going to be perfect, but just looking for that improvement, you know, those little changes every single day that we try to make and, and hopefully we, we get to where we're, we're hoping to get to. Yeah. Well, life's all about growth and you don't know where you're headed. Uh, so you just have to sort of take it in stride, but also recognize that you're going to make mistakes and then hopefully you can learn from them and have some, have some humility, I suppose, in, in, yeah. in approaching things. Well, Dr. Jeremy Toffoli, you also want to mention you are part of the Dr. Podcast Network, which yeah. I'm also part of. And so welcome yeah. to the network. I, I, guess I appreciate I welcome it. Myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much the same <laughs> as new as you are. So there we uh, go. it's great to have you on and to uh, discuss these things. And I'd encourage everyone to go to imperfectdadmd.com. You can find all the podcast blog stuff. Obviously, go into your favorite podcast player and you can go find that. And just like for my show, I'd recommend a five-star review once you listen to the show because you'll like well, it. I, I guarantee it. it's, it's really good. So. Hey, Jeremy, thanks, thanks I appreciate so much. That. Yeah, man. Nice talking to you. Thanks to Dr. Toffel for another great episode. Don't forget to reach out to Panacea Financial for your banking needs as a physician because they are built by physicians. Panacea's PRN personal loan was designed specifically for physicians and physicians in training. Go to panaceafinancial.com and open your new account today. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, member FDIC. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com. Thanks again to Dr. Toffel. And by the way, don't forget to reach out to Panacea Financial for your banking needs as a physician because they are built by physicians. Panacea's PRN personal loan was designed specifically for physicians.